Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. I just want to give everybody a heads up right off the bat that we are having incredibly windy weather here today. We had a couple days where it was almost 70 degrees, sunny, bright. Now today it's sunny, but the temperatures are in the low 40s and the wind is whipping. And unfortunately, when I do the podcast, I don't have a soundproof booth. I'm not sitting in some private room with soundproofing and it's my living room. I'm sitting in the middle of my living room with a big computer right next to windows. So unfortunately, when the wind whips up, you can hear it in the background. So I'm afraid you're going to hear it here. So I'm just going to warn people ahead of time. Hopefully when I denoise this, I put it through a little program that kind of it takes out the background noises and it does a pretty good job of it. Hopefully when I do that later on, it will take out the wind, but just in case that we might have a little dark and stormy night vibe going in the background here while I'm talking today. So I just, again, I know people say that don't worry about mentioning any of this stuff, but I think what happens is for you guys, you're all used to it. The majority of you guys have listened to me a while for a while know that I have the dogs in the background. Sometimes I have things, you know, you know, the situation, but for people that are new, they might go on, who the heck is this guy recording this incredibly unprofessional podcast with wind whipping around the background. So I always like to give a little nod to it or heads up just so people know that, all right, I hope my information will be great. Although we may sound like we're sitting around a campfire with a storm going on in the background or something. So Anyway, to kick this one off today, I want to talk a little bit about urticating hairs. I've been doing this for a while now, talking to new keepers about tarantulas and everything. A lot of new keepers will approach you and start asking questions. And one of the big questions they ask is, how bad is the venom? Anytime I put something about a species up, I'll get a question. And I, and I kind of leave these, if you notice, the majority of the time I leave these out of my videos and things because I really don't want to get into that discussion because I don't think it's something we necessarily need to be talking about in many cases. But I think what happens is we look at spiders, we look at tarantulas, we realize they have fangs. Their, their equipment that they're going to use to defend themselves is, is on full display anytime they eat, anytime they're threatened. If they throw up a threat posture, you can see those fangs on a tarantula. I was marveling the other day because even my G. Porteri, she was sitting calmly in a corner and I went to drop in something for her and the queen kind of like moved a little bit. And went. To, I just watched her attack and I watched those fangs come out. And I'm like, I love this girl. I've had her for years, but those are impressive things. Like, you wouldn't want those in your hand. You wouldn't want it anywhere, honestly. So I think for a majority of us, when we first get in the hobby, the big thing in our mind is how bad is the bite going to be? How bad is the bite going to be? I've, got, I've received that question more times than I could count. I just got a couple emails the other day, people talking about, I believe one of them was homeoma species chalensis, and the person's like, blah, 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 it looks so cute. How bad will it be when it bites me? So there's a couple things going on with that one. Number one, we're worrying a lot about the bites, and you should. I mean, obviously, we're dealing with venomous animals. You have to acknowledge and be prepared for the fact that they are capable of defending themselves in a manner that's going to be incredibly unpleasant should they engage it. So if they bite you, it's not going to be pleasant. I don't care what size animal you're working with. If it's a little H. chilensis, obviously it's going to hurt. Having those fangs in you is going to hurt. And then if you have something, say, like a T. stormy, that's really going to hurt. That's going to hurt a lot, and that's going to do a lot of damage. So there's a couple things going on here. One thing I want to talk about is, and we will segue into hairs. You'll see where this is going once I get going, I hope, or else you'll be at the end of the podcast going, what was he just rambling about? There's a couple things going. One is the fact that people worry so much about the venom potency of these animals that they never stop to think that there are sometimes more dangerous things than venom potency, like mechanical damage. So, for example, we'll use the H. chilensis. Uh, H. chalensis, God forbid you get one that actually bites and uses its fangs. It's crawling up your hand. It bites you on the hand. It's going to hurt. Those fangs are hard. You know, they can they can chew through dirt and wood and tear through animals and prey with them. They're, they're strong instruments. And you get those buried in the back of your hand. Even if it's a little H. chalensis, you're talking maybe a quarter inch. 
those are big. That's big. Quarter inches deep. If that thing buries those fangs in your hand, it's going to hurt. So there is going to be mechanical damage, meaning put the venom aside. There is going to be trauma to your hand. There will be holes in your hand, bleeding holes. Now, with an H. Chalensis, if it doesn't catch you in a major you know, area, it's probably fine. But think about this. You have tendons in the back of your hand. Where do most people get bit? They get bit in the tips of their fingers, which you're usually, if you get bit in the finger, it's going to hurt a lot, but it's not going to do a lot of damage. But there are tendons on your hands. Depending on where you get bit, there's the risk of mechanical damage, meaning it tears into something and causes actual physical damage to your hand. Again, venom aside. Now, the big one that I get that always cracks me up is I'll be talking about the big species. I'll be talking about that... This happened recently on a video comment or comment on a video for Theraphosis Sturmy. I did an older one, my old girl, R.E.P. And somebody said, how bad's the venom for that? It looks like the venom would be really bad. And I had to get into the, kind of this discussion about, all right, first off, no, the venom wouldn't be particularly bad. However, that's going to be the least of your worries if a spider that size decides to latch onto your hand. You don't need venom. Think of it this way. Dogs don't have venom. The bites hurt. I've been bitten. It hurts a lot, and it can do a lot of damage. It's the same thing if you've got a big T. Sturmy, T. Blondie, uh, what, Formictopus cancerides. I just did Lazy Adora Parahibana. Those guys can get big. You look at the size of the fangs. Take them both sometime on one of the bigger, like even a five or six inch spider and stretch those fangs out. That's huge. They're big. They're big. It's going to hurt. And Think of it in the way that they don't just necessarily stab it into you. They can tear. It can be a mess. Now, does it happen often? That's going to be the next thing we're going to discuss. It does not. But I love how people get hung up on how much venom the animals have. And don't bother to think about the fact that you you might not be worried. If a T-stermy latches onto your hand, venom's just going to be secondary. It's going to be those huge fangs tearing into you. I pulled one of them out one day one of the old molts and stretch the fangs out and they're curved. So it's kind of hard to get a good measurement on. But if you stretch those things out straight, you're looking at probably, I don't know, half an inch, maybe of the bigger specimens. I'm sure three quarters of an inch is possible. That's big. That's big. Two of those going into the back of your hand. You have tendons. I did hear a horror story years ago where somebody, I have a buddy of mine told me this one, I think, where um, somebody stuck their hand in to grab a water dish, it had a feeding response, and it buried the fangs into the tendons in the back of his hand. It resulted in surgery. That's no joke. So when we talk about, you know, there's a lot of discussion about most dangerous tarantulas, which ones are dangerous, whatever, which I, I hate that stuff and it drives me nuts. But let's be realistic and talk when we talk about the dangers or the threats they pose to us. One, let's put that when we're not dealing with old worlds, obviously with old worlds, this becomes an issue. With new worlds, it's not so much of an issue because the, obviously the venom potency isn't going to be that much. Even the most venomous of the new world species don't compare to old worlds, supposedly. And I'm thinking in terms of Salmapias, I think, have a reputation for having slightly more nasty venom toward humans. I don't know. There's no way to really prove this. It's just going on anecdotes from keepers or whatnot. But you take the majority of, you know, New World species, venom is not going to be an issue. But still, let's not even, I, I think it's one of those situations where we're so hung up on the venom, we're not recognizing there's a bigger threat than the venom. You do not want that thing to bite you regardless. It shouldn't matter what if the Grandma Stola Porteri has slightly more potent venom than the, I don't know, we'll go lazy to repair a band and we'll stick with that one. It doesn't matter because bottom line, it's going to hurt either way and it's going to cause damage. And you don't want that. You don't want to get bit by your animals. That's it. So I, I find it funny because it, it comes up all the time and I, I get it because 
well, actually, I can't even, when I first, we joke, I joke with Billy, when I first got into the hobby or first started shopping around for tarantulas, I was still operating under the assumption that all bites were no worse than bee stings. And I've alluded to this before when I've done tarantula myths and things of that nature, that I remember seeing it was the C Minex, I believe, the Thailand Black. I think it's C Minex now. It's not H Minex anymore. Anyway, back then it was probably A's or something else. But anyway, they had this table as a reptile dealer, so obviously they didn't know how to take care of tarantulas whatsoever. As the wind whips up around me, I'm going to apologize in advance. And they had this transport tarantula in this like 10-gallon container, 10-gallon tank, typical 10-gallon tank, with a little bit of substrate, no hide, dry substrate, no water dish, and it was just sitting in the middle of this thing slapping at everybody that walked by and I was one part fascinated because I've never I'd never seen anything like this from a spider before in my life that was this was the first threat display the first defensive posture I've ever seen from a tarantula in my entire life and remember at this point I'm fully arachnophobic but I was just in awe of this thing and I remember going to Billy man we should pick that up that would make a neat display tarantula and she's like I don't know it looks a little mean and I'm like yeah but if we got it in a closure put it in a tank like that put it in the living room it would be great now mind you this is horrific thinking back at because I would have stuck it on terror like dry substrate it would have had no hide the thing would have been nasty it probably would have died in a week so I didn't know what I was doing let me make that very clear but anyway I almost picked this thing up because I was thinking worst case scenario if it bites me it's going to be like a bee sting and that would have been terribly, I would have been terribly wrong there. They would have been a heck of a lot worse than a bee sting. I would have been in for a heck of a lot more pain than a bee sting. So I think a lot of us get into it with that. I, I, I get into it knowing, not even knowing that there were old world tarantulas. I didn't find out about old world tarantulas to years later when I started doing serious research on tarantulas. So a lot of us, I think, go into the hobby originally thinking the bee sting thing. And I've talked to many people like, oh, I'm looking at getting an M. Balfouri. I, I mean, I don't want to get bit, but it shouldn't be any worse than the bee sting, right? No, it's going to be worse than the bee sting. Then I think we go through the stage where we find out about old worlds and suddenly venom becomes an issue. That becomes kind of the 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 focus when you're talking about tarantulas, when you're starting to shop. Because I remember going online and doing my shopping for tarantulas, trying to figure out what I was going to get when I was first getting heavy into the hobby. And I'd look like, I'd take the name, I'd drop it in the Google, and I'd look for whether it was an old world or a new world. Or I'd look for where it was from and then figure out if that was an old world or new world. And if it was old world, immediately off the list, not even playing around with that. And if it was a new world, I was still a little wary, like, all right, how bad is the venom for these? So I get it. I get the theory behind it. So this isn't coming from me judging people that ask these questions. I been there I do get it but it's recognizing that we sometimes lose focus of what the real threats can be so right off the bat that I always find kind of funny that when you when you're talking about tarantulas obviously if you're talking about new worlds let's not worry so much about the venom if your new world is going to bite you the mechanical damage is going to be deterrent enough it's going to be unpleasant enough we don't even have to worry about the venom aspects of venom just going to add a little extra complication to it where it's going to be a little extra painful might burn a little bit more but the mechanical obviously if you take two you know, picture taking two hooked, fairly thick quarter inch or three eighths inch fangs and jam them into the back of your hand. It doesn't matter if there's venom. That's not going to be pleasant at all. That's going to hurt. So let's get that part out of the way right off the bat. Now let's go to the next thing that people getting into the hobby generally think. And it drives me nuts because I, I don't agree with this. And I, I've just gotten a debate the other day with somebody and it kind of sucked because at the end of it, he's like, well, I hope you get bit and it'll prove my point. I don't think bites are inevitable. I don't think everybody has to get bitten. I don't think it's part of the hobby. I've heard people say, well, it's part of the hobby. You're going to get bit eventually. And I get that comment quite a bit. And it's by people, I, I know they don't mean anything by it. But I, I really strongly believe 
that if you're working with these animals, I mean, if you're going to get bit, when it's going to happen is early on before you figure out what you're doing, when you underestimate animals. So when you underestimate the animals, that's when the point's going to come where you're going to get bit. I think most of my closest call ever, I've had two actually, and I think I've admitted to one before, but the first one was the first time I tried to hold my G. Porteri, the queen. And I've told the story before, so I'm not going to tell it again. But I basically elicited a feeding response out of the spider that could have very easily have ended up with me with her fangs in my hand, with me flicking her across the room. It was, it was a terrible situation, a stupid situation on my part. But again, this is before I really got heavy into the hobby and started doing the research and forming what now forms the basis of how I do how I tarantula keep, if that's such a thing. The second one, the closest I ever got bit, was screwing around with the camera with my Pisolotheria metallica. It's my big female, but at the time, she was probably about three and a half inches long or so in a, I think it was a 32-ounce deli cup or so. I was getting ready to move her, and she was out and about, and I wanted to get some photos of her because this was right about the time where I was starting to post some stuff online. I was doing the stupid YouTube thing, which... Again, I've got a more level head with YouTube now. Back, Actually, I was pretty good with it then. I, I never took chances to get pictures. And I think if you look at my videos, that's painfully obvious because a lot of my videos are terrible because sometimes it'd just be me talking and no spider because I'm not going to – I have a rule. You're not going to bother the animal just to get footage of them. That's ridiculous. I don't do it. We don't do photo shoots. I don't break the spider out and put them on the table and pose them. I don't do anything like that. If I catch them out, you see them. If I don't catch them out, sorry, you don't get to see them. However, at this time – I was really trying to get some footage of this girl for a video and I had nothing. And my thing is I I don't like doing videos when I don't have the spider on there. So I was like, she was out and about, she was right on the surface. And I'm like, I'm going to get a picture of her or some photos of her. So I get my camera out and I start to take what I think is a picture, but unfortunately I had it on video. So it starts video recording. Well, what happens is that flash hit her, the light from the video hit her and she slapped and hit my phone. She slapped and hit the phone, hit the phone, made contact. And I was like, that was a huge wake up call for me. That was, it was good that it happened when it did, but it was a huge wake up call because that was probably the most reckless I've ever gotten with my camera when trying to get pictures. Cause I'm very, very safe when I'm recording and try to be very, very safe, but it almost resulted in, and if my finger was in a slightly different spot, I could have gotten tagged. So I remember putting the cover back on, coming back in, setting the phone down, looking at Billy and went, um, yep, almost got bit by the, the P Metallica. Now I played back the footage. A little secret. Her fangs went out. It was a slap. She wasn't actually biting at it. But still, the it was scary enough to recognize, hey, you bozo, stop screwing around with the spiders. They're not toys. So I think when you do the videos and you do the YouTube, you're introducing, depending upon how you go about it, you are introducing a lot more possibility for getting bitten. I, I, I think there's no way of going around that. Like when we're doing rehousings, I will say Billy's not only there as a camera girl, she's there as my spotter. And we've had exactly one situation where we aborted the filming. I was doing a H. maculata, which is consequently one of her favorite species and partially because of this. But I was like, hey, can I get a hand? And she came over. I said, she's like, what about the camera? I'm like, drop the camera. I need a hand. I just want to make sure it was going well, but I, I had it in a spot where I needed a second set of hands. And you know what? That takes priority for me. This, the goal of working with tarantulas is to keep the people and the tarantulas safe at all times. So that's the only time we've had to put it down, but she knows every time we go over kind of our protocol before we film a video, we go over the fact, all right, this is what I plan to do. If that doesn't work, I'm going to try this. If anything should happen, the spider should get out. Just go ahead, drop the camera and be a second set of eyes. That's it. It's not that important to me. The videos really aren't that important to me. So 
Anyway, I think if you're doing the filming, if you're somebody out there that's looking to do the YouTube stuff, please be careful. Put the animals first. Always keep the animals first. That should keep you and the animal out of trouble. But I do think when you're filming, it does, for some people, depending on what they're doing, it does put them at more risk. However, take the filming out. Take that stuff and put it right on the side. If you take that out of the equation, the only times you're really going to be, should be at risk of getting bit, if the tarantula is set up correctly, is during rehousings. That's the point where your adrenaline is going to be up. You're going to be sweating. You're going to be freaking out. You're going to possibly make mistakes out of fear and out of you know being startled from a spider bolting. Obviously, this is going to be the point where the spider is most stressed, where the spider could pult, where the spider could hold its ground, throw up a threat posture, become defensive. This is the point where if bites are going to happen, where I could see the possibility of a bite becoming more likely... This is going to be the place where it happens, during the rehousings. Now, again, I firmly believe that if you practice rehousings, that if you're careful, if you abide by a few rules, which is like, you know, making sure you have an area where you can contain the spider, if you do it in a bathtub, whatever it may be, making sure that you never try to put your hand or anything in front of a bolting spider. You kind of got to let them go for a second. Don't try to cup them where you can accidentally pin their feet or their legs, which can cause them to become defensive. I mean, there's things you can do, and I'm not going to get all into it all here, but I do think that if you stay calm, deliberate, respectful of the animal, you shouldn't have any issues. But of course, I still stress out a bit with some of the rehousing. That's the one spot where you're going to get bit, but I think they're still avoidable. I don't think it's an inevitability that if you get into the tarantula hobby, you're going to get bitten. But I can't tell you how many people I talk to and that will tell me, yeah, well, I know I'm going to get bit eventually, or obviously everybody gets bit eventually. That's the big one. Obviously everybody gets bit eventually. Or I have people go, yeah, how many times have you been bitten? And I say zero and they don't believe me. And I'm like, no, I, I'm serious. Please don't make me jinx myself here by, you know, sounding like I'm bragging about it or tempting the fates, but I have not been bitten. I, and I will sh I will freely share with people the two instances where I came close or could have been bitten because it's my fault, not the spider. It was me trying to handle like a doofus, and it was me trying to get a picture like a doofus. It was my fault completely. Those You take that out of the equation, Tom's not trying to handle, Tom doesn't almost get bit. Tom isn't shoving a camera in a piece of Letharia species face, Tom doesn't get bit. That's It's as simple as that. And then they ask about the rehousings, aren't you? You know, can, has it ever been close during the rehousings? Again, knock on wood, because I have a bunch to do this weekend. But no, it hasn't been. There, there haven't been any real close calls with rehousings. Usually, you can get a read on the spider and figure out if it's going to bolt. If it really gets jacked up, you turn around, walk away. That's the best advice I can give you. If you're about to do a rehousing, I don't care how long you've set up for it, how long you've mentally prepped for it. If you're about to do a rehousing and the spider starts freaking out and bolting around the enclosure or trying to bolt out or throwing up threat postures or slapping the air... Just walk away. There's no point even trying at that point. Just let the animal calm down. Try again another day. It's not going to harm it waiting an extra day. So I do 100% believe that if people are cautious and mindful and respectful of the animals and practice good technique when they're doing husbandry, when they're doing rehousings, there should be a minuscule threat of ever getting bitten. I, I thoroughly believe that. When doing husbandry there are simple things you can do like I've, I've told people before if you're afraid the spider's going to come bolting out of the burrow when you're plucking you know stuff out of its web or whatnot take a piece of cardboard fit it so it slides in the enclosure cover up the burrow easy there's many different things you can do and again this isn't about not getting the video is not about how to not get bit i think if you're following my 
husbandry videos, if you're following my rehousing videos, if you're you know following any of my articles about this stuff, I think I explain all that. But it's more this idea that we have as keepers that we're going to get bit, our fixation, our obsession with getting bit. And, and again, I get it because for especially for those of us who got into the hobby being arachnophobic, a tarantula bite is probably one of the scariest things anybody can imagine if, if you're arachnophobic. So I do get where it's coming from, but I just – the point of this one is to worry about i think there's things that we worry about especially with no new world species that we shouldn't be worrying as much about and there's things that we don't worry about see there, there's where we're going to get to the urticating hairs in a moment so that's my thought the, the two things right off the bat the one the venom potency with the new world species i find to be kind of ridiculous who cares it, they're, it's they're going to have some venom it's going to burn a little bit i'd be more worried about the chem, the mechanical damage the second thing is the idea that everybody gets bit i i'm sorry i don't believe so i think I think there's people that put themselves in riskier situations. If you're doing filming, if you, know, if you watch YouTube channels, you want to see examples of people putting themselves in situations where they could possibly get bit. It is rife with them. But I think for the keepers that are following the way I do things and how I like to do things with the hands off without handling unnecessarily with being extra cautious during the rehousings, I get some, you know, people come on sometime and go, you know, I really like how deliberate you are, but I think you're extra, you're too cautious. Like what is too cautious? I, I don't think I'm not dressed up in a you know in hazmat suit with you know puncture proof gloves and everything i'm just being slow and deliberate and making sure that i don't agitate my spider or cause it to freak out if that's being too you know cautious so be it but i think anybody that's following these methods or the way i do things it, you should be at minimal risk now let's get finally i know i told you it was going to come back to this let's get to the point of this one and i really did feel like i needed to cover those two topics before i slid into it urticating hairs we worry so much about venom that I find it amazing that people just kind of totally disregard urticating hairs as if they're nothing more than a you know possible annoyance. And again, I want to, I'm going to try to be clear on this one because there is that group of people that find out about urticating hairs and then completely swear off ever keeping a new world species. They kind of go the other way where it's, they make the urticating hairs more of a threat than they probably are. But I'm talking more in this one. I'm addressing folks that don't seem to recognize that they can be nasty, that there are a, there are defense mechanism. The spider can use to defend itself an effective one. And if you ever get some of these hairs on you, it's going to be painfully apparent rather quickly why it's effective. Now, Right off the bat, I've been just, I'm starting to put more about the urticating hairs in my videos, and one of the reasons I haven't said as much about urticating hairs is that group of people that seem to immediately be turned off to the idea of ever keeping new world species. Because what happens is they come out and they go, you know what, I have really bad allergies, so I got a funny feeling just having that tarantula in the room would be bad for me, that it would cause, it would trigger itching, it would trigger burning, like I couldn't even be around it. And I don't think that's necessarily the case, as we've documented through the podcast. I have terrible allergies. I took one of those allergy tests years ago, and I'm allergic to to a lot of stuff, all the pollen, all the trees around us, oak, pine, you know, I'm one of these people that I'm constantly itching, runny nose, that type of thing. So I do get it. And they also don't really bother me all that much at this point. So that's something to be said. I think it depends. I don't think it really depends on whether or not you have a lot of allergies or whether or not the hairs bother you. There's different other different body chemistry aspects that might dictate that, but I don't think it's necessarily a thing where you have a lot of allergies, so you're immediately going to be really heavily impacted by these hairs. I really don't think it works that way. And for most people that are only keeping a handful of species, the other thing that should be mentioned is that 
overall, you shouldn't have much of an issue. The hairs for a lot of New World species are quite mild. The hairs are the ones that are, tend to be nastier of the larger species. Now, one that comes to mind, obviously, Theraphosa blondi, Theraphosa sturmi, those hairs are said to be atrocious, absolutely atrocious. And I've spoken to a lot of people that have been haired by them. Or have, I was just speaking to a guy on my YouTube page who commented that he dug into the substrate in the hand, with his hands and got them all in his hands, and it was just a nasty, nasty situation. So those, some of the hairs, depending on the species, some hairs can be more potent than others. Overall, it's what you can expect if you get haired, because I've had people ask me before. I worked in fiberglass for years. I used to do fiberglass boat repair for about a decade, and the fiberglass, the feel of fiberglass, or if you've ever used fiberglass insulation where it gets in your skin and you feel that prickly kind of burning sensation, it's a lot like that especially for the milder ones. It's, it's annoying, it's agitating, it's not, it's not very comfortable, but it's not going to be debilitating. You're, you're going to kind of forget about it here and there. That's the majority, especially like the Gramostola species, the majority of those, it's not that bad. When you get into the bigger ones, it gets a little more tricky, it gets a little more nasty. And they have, obviously, if I'm not covering it all in this one, but there are different types of urticating hairs. And obviously, some types are much worse than others. However, to further complicate things, it seems that some people are more sensitive to them than others, and some people are more sensitive to certain species than others. So, for example, a buddy of mine got full-haired by a Lazydora parahybana. No problems whatsoever. He goes, it's slightly itchy. That was it. Moving on. I got haired. Just It caught, I think it's in a video, I caught just like the side of my left hand. So, like my pinky between the knuckle of my pinky and my ring finger and it was nasty. It was two weeks. They blistered. They bled. It was it was a pretty bad reaction. Plus, like a doofus, I tried to wipe the corner of my eye at one point and got one of the hairs in the corner of my eyeball, and that was nasty. It Oddly, it didn't hurt as much as the ones on my hand, but it burned. It felt like there was a burning sensation in the corner of my eye, and the corner of my eye turned like blood red. It looked like a blood vessel had broken in my eye. So that was nasty, and that was there for a couple weeks too. So I tend to be more sensitive to Lazyodora species. However, oddly enough, I've gotten stormy hair on me before, and it really didn't bother me all that much. Now, that can all change. Some people are more sensitive to certain hairs than others, which is why it makes it so confusing. Because if you go on reports like go on a rack and board sometime or look up urticating hairs or worse urticating hairs, you'll hear totally different stories. There are people that say B. Smithy is the worst one they've ever experienced. There's people that see G. Rosea. I just talked to somebody that had a G. Rosea and the hairs were nasty and affected them for a couple weeks. It really depends on the person's body chemistry and the type of hairs and the spider. So it makes it even more confusing because nobody's quite, you're never quite sure how you're going to react until unfortunately you get exposed to the hair. Now, there are people that can't even be around the hairs at all. And that's obviously something that would be, you know, you wouldn't be able to keep New World species. This was a situation. But I was speaking to a keeper several years back who started off with all the New World species. And she said they had them in a small, I think it was a closet. And she started realizing that every time she'd go to bed at night after she'd feed the tarantulas and do all the tarantula maintenance before bed, when she'd go to bed at night, she was itching, burning. She was getting like these rashes on her skin. Well, it ended up, it was just the hairs that were, just the exposure to the hairs in that closet were bothering her and eventually got to the point where she ended up selling her new worlds off because she couldn't deal with the discomfort anymore. So 
Again, I'm not telling people this to scare them off because the majority of us keep New World species and don't have many issues with the hairs at all, as long as we don't get directly haired. We'll move into that in a moment. But the, uh, the point of this is to explain that they're not something to be trivialized. They're not something to just go, oh, yep, there's hairs. They can become an issue. The other thing that comes out with the hairs is that it sounds like that repeated exposure actually makes you more sensitive to them. That's a scary thought. So what'll happen is I've read stories of keepers that were in the hobby for years. They kept new world species, no problems whatsoever. They get haired, not a big deal. In the room with them, not a big deal. Well, what happens is the body gets to the point where it can't tolerate them anymore. And these people ended up having to get rid of their collections because anytime they even went in a room with one, they would start breaking out and itching and burning. So that's a huge, I mean, I know for me, that's a huge concern. I've talked to Billy about this before that, you know, I, I love my new, I love all tarantulas. I love my old worlds. I love my new worlds, but I can't imagine not being able to keep new world species. Yet I've spoken to several keepers over the years that have sworn off new worlds for just that reason. They can't deal with the hairs anymore. So that's something that should always be in the back of people's minds minds when they pick things up that if they're getting and I love when I post a video up and I think one of them I had gloves on I might have been rehousing it was a pamphibedia species and I think it was my t-stermy at the time because obviously I don't want either of those hairs on me I don't want to play around with that and I had long sleeves on and somebody came on and basically you know tried to criticize my manhood because I was silly enough to wear gloves what do you need gloves for just reach your hands in there and get it what are you uh, and I won't say the word which really irritated me because I responded back, no, I'm just not an idiot like you are apparently. The hairs are nothing you want to experience on purpose. They're uncomfortable even if they don't bother you in a particular moment. Even if you're cleaning, you know, it's 2020. You're cleaning stuff now. You're sticking your hands in the substrate. You're not using gloves. You're moving your spider. It kicks, eh, a little itchy. That can build up over time. So you're, I'm looking, when I wear gloves, I'm not looking to just the moment. And again, I don't want burning hands. I worked in fiberglass for years. I don't like the feeling. I don't want burning hairs regardless. So call me anything you want, any name you want. I don't care. I don't feel like putting up with it. It's just not something I, I don't like itching. I itch enough with my allergies. I don't need it on my hands from spiders. So I'm going to wear gloves, but I'm also thinking of my longevity in the hobby. I don't want to sit there and get repeatedly exposed to these things because I'm a, a bonehead and going in and, and just picking them up and you know rifling through substrate without gloves and having them hair me. And then have five years down the road and I can't even be in a room for them. That's horrific. So I protect myself. I put on gloves when I'm dealing with some species that I think are going to kick. If you'll notice, you watch my videos, I don't often have gloves on because I, I have a pretty good handle on which ones the are going to be the kickers, which ones aren't. You could make the argument that when you're rehousing, you're getting close to that substrate. And a lot of times they kick hairs just as part of you know making that enclosure their own. And there are hairs usually in that substrate. So I should probably have them on regardless of you know what species it is, but I do kind of pick and choose with it. The other thing to think about is, again, as we mentioned, substrate. Anything in the enclosure can have hairs on it. When you're dealing with enclosure and you're cleaning out an enclosure, there could be hairs all over that substrate. So when you're... I think people need to spend a little bit less time worrying about the venom, especially especially talking about new world species. Don't worry so much about the venom. Focus on not getting bit and not getting haired. And remember that those hairs are, you know, that's their defense. That's what nature gave them when they're out there to defend themselves. If some animal comes up and goes sniffing at them thinking it's going to be an easy meal, it's going to get a nose full of those hairs. It's going to get eyes full of those hairs, which is, I can tell you, is not pleasant even having a couple in your eye. So you need to keep that in mind when looking at tarantulas, not saying I don't, and I, again, I, I caution, I, I kind of, I thought about doing this topic, then I thought maybe I shouldn't do this topic because the problem is 
in my mind, I can say something and think I explain it well and think I explain that, all right, this is just something you need to keep in the back of your mind, but it can be misinterpreted to be something more than that. So I can, I almost positive somebody's going to come on and say, I'm never going to keep these, any of these species because these urticating hairs sound absolutely horrific. No, that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we, we have to stop pretending like they don't exist. We have to make them part of the discussion when we talk about keeping certain species. I know I put up something about, it was a while ago. Oh, no, I know what it was. It was my top beginner species. And somebody came on and was really upset that Lasiodora parahibana was included because, as they said, they have the worst irritating hairs of any species. They are absolutely horrific. I don't know how you could put that on a beginner list. And although... I didn't quite agree with this person. Like, Lasiodora parahibana, if I'm not mistaken, have type 1 and type 3. And I think that Therophosa species have type, if I'm not wrong, 4 and 4A. I can't remember. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. So I apologize right now. We will do one eventually where we go through the urticating hairs. This isn't it. But anyway, theirs are considered to be the worst. It's not, they don't have the worst hairs. But obviously, somebody like myself is more affected by them than I am the Therophosa hair. So it depends on, again, it depends on the individual. So I'm sure this individual was like me, had been haired by it, it was a miserable experience, and therefore surmised that these are the worst urticating hairs. However, what I did like and what I did agree with is that they brought urticating hairs into it. That's important. There are some species like Nandu species. Nandu chromatis is one that's known for having really wretched hairs, and I've heard some horror stories about people getting haired by them and the blistering, the burning, it lasts for quite some time. Somebody had scars from it. That is something that should be considered when picking up a spider. Now, luckily, the majority of the species that are listed as, as beginner species, the Gramostolas, the Brachypelmas, the Afonopelma species, you know, the, the, the quintessential slow-growing new worlds, those hairs are pretty gentle. Those are, those are the ones where it's not going to be much of a big deal unless you're super sensitive to that particular species. And I haven't heard too many people. I have heard lazy, no, what was it? Not lazy Adora. Brachypelma baby, I've heard have particularly nasty hairs from a couple people. But again, I've heard from other people that they've had no problem with it. So what to take away from this podcast? I think what summed this up, because again, it was it was about, this was more about being realistic with the risks of keeping tarantulas. Which, how are they going to defend themselves? And what are the risks? Well, if we're talking about new world species, and this one's mostly, this is focusing on new world species. I'm not getting into old world venom right now in this podcast. But when looking at new world species, number one, don't operate under the assumption that you're going to get bit, that it's an inevitability. It is not. If you go in thinking it's an inevitability, you are most likely psychologically going to put yourself in situations where you are going to put yourself at more of a risk to get bit. The idea is to go, I don't want to get bit. Let me be extra cautious. Make sure that I'm doing everything by the book, that I'm not slipping up, that I'm not breaking rules that like for me, sticking a camera in a piece of Letharia Metallica's face went against what I know is good husbandry not trying to stick my hand in with a tarantula that I'm not sure if it's going to, you know, want to crawl up in my hand and cuddle with me or turn around and bite me. That's another stupid thing I did. So it's about recognizing, no, I do not have to get bit. I'm going to do everything in my power not to get bit and making sure that when you start creating your husbandry routines, when you start creating your rules for tarantula keeping, that they're all centered around keeping you and the tarantula as safe as possible at all times. That's the way you should go into it. I'm not going to get bit. I'm going to emulate people that practice this good husbandry that know how to do a rehousing without the animal ending up on the roof or you know under a table or flying around a room and putting people at risk ignore that stuff but put it in your mind right from the get-go i am going to be a safekeeper and again when talking about new worlds don't worry about the venom potency don't even ask they they have venom no they have venom 
Know that the venom is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to burn. It probably, the venom itself probably will have a reaction much like a bee sting. It's going to be that, you know, localized swelling, throbbing, redness, you know, maybe some itching, burning the whole nine yards, like hemorrhoids, whatever. And know that that's what you're going to get, but worry more about mechanical damage. That's what we want to pay attention to with neuroworld species. Think about the mechanical damage. Don't go on a video with a 12-inch spider and go, how bad is the venom? Who cares? I'll tell you what's going to be bad are those three-quarter inch fangs if they sink into the back of your hand. That's going to be bad. So again, not saying this to freak people out, but trying to get people to be a little more rational when they talk about the actual threats their tarantulas can pose to them. And I think the in the case of New World species, we're not worried about venom. We're worried about we don't want to get tagged in the first place. And if we do get tagged, we're going to be more concerned about the bite. And again, not to, I don't want to be alarmist here. This uh, uh, flat out, you shouldn't get bitten. And a lot of people have been bitten and it hasn't been that big of a deal. But know that when you're talking about the bigger species, this usually comes up with the bigger ones. That's what blows my mind. People are asking about how venomous they are. Venom isn't going to be an issue. If you're dealing with a large, I don't care, Pamphibedius, Theraphosa, Lasiodora, Formictopus, Zenthus, however you pronounce it, I always mispronounce it, you're talking about a large set of fangs and a nasty bite mechanical damage-wise. That's the most important thing. And then, finally, third part of this one, urticating hairs. Let's stop ignoring them. Let's stop pretending they're trivial. Let's stop pretending. I know a lot of people are going to probably chime in. I've been here before. It's not a big deal. Congratulations. There have been other people that are haired, been haired and it has been a pretty big deal. It's been nasty. I will tell you. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not over here like crying over the fact I got haired by the LP. As a matter of fact, it was kind of a cool situation because it was the first time I really got haired and I got to kind of see what happened. But I will tell you, it was not fun. It was not pleasant. I it was even at a meeting at school and somebody's like, oh, what do you got, poison ivy? No, that was tarantula hair. And they kind of stared at me like I was crazy. So it's important to recognize the the risks, what they are, and when they're more most likely to happen. So what are the risks? The risks are a bite, which shouldn't be very probable, especially with new world species. Or herring, which could be more probable when moving and playing with and rehousing new world species. And when are they most likely to happen? Well, when you're interacting with the spider. And for most people, the most, the closest we're going to get to interacting with these guys, the most opportunities we're going to have for things to go wrong and for the spider to get out and possibly bite or hair are going to be during the rehousing. So that's why it's important that you practice good, safe rehousing techniques. A lot of people, I post up a video recently where I did the what Billy and I amicably, amicably refer to as the poke and pray where you just kind of poke the back of the spider and try to steer it where you want to go I don't do this very often but one of the reasons I don't like using the poke and pray and one of the reasons I like using the catch cups is they if they do kick hair and you're doing poke and pray all those hairs go straight up in the air right up in the air and that's going to go right on your hand. I mean, even if you're using a foot-long paintbrush to do it, it's still, they're going to travel. They're going to get on your hand. So I don't like doing it that way. The cups help contain the hairs too, which is another thing I like about it. They not only calm the spiders because it cuts down all the airflow around the spider. And remember, all of those hairs aren't there just to make them look pretty. They're sensory organs. They can feel vibrations, the slightest vibrations. So as soon as you put that cup over top of them, you'll notice a lot of them calm down because in their minds, they're secure. There's no airflow going in there. But it also keeps the hairs down. So that's one of the reasons I use the cups and don't do the poke and pray very often. It can work and a lot of people use it, but again, minimizing the risks. I think it's all about minimizing the risk, recognizing that if you're careful, you're calm, you're deliberate, you're respectful of the animal, the risk to you and the animal should be minimal, whether it be bite or whether it be hairs. But again, not to harp on all this stuff for an entire podcast, but it just, it's always struck me as kind of funny how people 
tend to totally disregard the hairs. It's like it's not even – it's an afterthought. They're always talking about venom and bites, and the hairs kind of a big deal. And just talk to some people who have been haired before. I mean, again, I've only gotten a little bit on me, but I can tell you if that had been on my whole hand or, God forbid, on my face or whatever, that it, it is not a pleasant experience. It was a lingering experience. Not a lot of fun at all. And um, just, and I don't know if anybody's watched the last video I did. This is what kind of brought this conversation up. And Billy and I were talking about it on our walk the other day. But I rehoused my Lazy Adora Parahibana female. She's about, I don't know, seven and a half, eight inches or so. Big, decent sized girl. And she kicked quite a bit. And there was just carpets of hair in on the cardboard that I was using beneath her and inside the catch cup. It was in the air. You can see it on the video. And I was turning the billet where Billy and I were talking about it afterwards. And I'm like, you know, there'll be somebody on there. It's like, oh, hairs aren't a big deal. Why are you wearing gloves? And it just drives me nuts because it's obviously somebody that's ignorant, doesn't know what they're talking about. Or again, one of these, you know, he men that think they're just amazing and their way of proving their manhood is to do things that are painful, even though they're incredibly stupid. I don't know. But I just wanted to make sure that this was discussed because I do think it's something and Partly, I'm partly at fault this because I don't bring it up a lot in my videos. I've started adding more when I do my husbandry videos, a little more discussion about the urticating hairs. There's now a little blurb that comes up and explains what urticating hairs are. But again, the reason I haven't done it a lot in the past is because there's always that one person that comes on and goes, I will never keep these because I, I'm, I'm afraid these things are going to actually rip me up. They're going to be terrible. I don't want to deal with them. They sound horrible. I didn't even know they could do that. I had one person that said they wanted to get rid of their G. rosea when I mentioned urticating hairs in a video a few months ago. Because she had no idea they had those hairs and now she's petrified of them. That's not the point. The point is to be aware of everything. That Don't just focus on the fangs. Focus on the other stuff they can do, the hairs. And know that that's something you want to avoid. And it's easily avoidable. If you don't want to get the hairs on you, wear gloves when you rehouse them. Wear long sleeves when you rehouse them. Keep your face away from them. I know some people that will put on a mask. I, I think that's going overboard. But the hairs, if you see in this video of the El Para High Band, and part of it's my fault because I raise it up to the camera so you can see the hairs, and I kind of got them circulate in the air. So that was on me. That wasn't the spider. But if you want to be extra careful, put on a face shield. Whatever you need to do. Protect yourself for that moment. Protect yourself for the you know your longevity in the hobby. Because, again, a lot of evidence out there shows that prolonged exposure to these hairs can make you more and more sensitive to them and you don't want to be one of those people that years down the road are going yep I have to get rid of my lovely new world tarantulas because I can no longer be in a room with their hairs at least that's the way I think about it I'm not playing around maybe it never happens to me I'm not taking any chances I'm going to do whatever I can to protect myself so I hope that wasn't too long and drawn out but it is something that I feel like you know we get a, I think for a lot of us that have been in the hobby it's a good reminder to stop harping on the fact that we get bit. I think everybody needs to hear that. Stop harping on the fact that everybody's going to get bit. I love the people that say everybody's going to get, a lot of times you see the people that are saying everybody's going to get bit are the ones doing crazy stuff on videos that, well, yeah, you're going to get bit because you're a doofus, but the majority of us out there aren't doing stupid things, so we're not going to get bit. That's kind of the way I see it. But as far as the hairs are concerned, that can be a little more likely when you work with a lot of new worlds. And I think you just need to be aware of it. So I, people shouldn't be coming on videos making fun of people for wearing gloves and long sleeves while rehousing them. I, I just think that's being prudent. That's being smart. That's being very respectful of the spider. And I think we need more people doing that, quite frankly. So anyway, again, just born out of that latest LP video. And if anybody hasn't checked it out, feel, feel free to check it out. I don't know. Some, it's been neat because over on YouTube, I've been getting a lot more people from the podcast that come over. I'm like, hey, I'm a podcast fan. Every once in a while, I check out one of your videos and that's just the coolest thing to me because the podcast has kind of turned into my little baby it just it's a one spot where I can just be in my own little world there's no you know 
I'm not competing with anybody, which is great because I get a lot of people that come over to the YouTube videos and tell me how I should change things and make things more dynamic and exciting and then point to other channels that I might loathe and say, you should emulate these guys because they're going to get more viewers. And it's like, it's not about that. It's about putting out good information, putting it in a no BS kind of way and knowing that people that come to my channel or having people come to my channel know that they're getting good information, not getting somebody that's selling something, selling t-shirts, selling stickers, selling themselves, whatever it may be. That's not my cup of tea. Podcast, I get to do that. It's just me and you guys. I just picture a whole room full of people. We're just chatting, maybe having a beer or two, whiskey, scotch, whatever you're drinking, and talking about spiders, which is really cool. So, again, thank you for listening. I feel like I just drone on and on and on and on sometimes, but the feedback's been amazing, and I can't even tell you guys how much I appreciate it. So that will about do it for this one. I was gonna bounce. I had another topic I was gonna hit, but this one's kind of already at the. 40 minute mark or so and I don't think I'll have enough time to do the second topic justice so we'll hold on to that so first off obviously this will be coming out on Sunday which is Mother's Day so happy Mother's Day to all you amazing women out there I you know I totally appreciate you hopefully Billy's flowers show up this whole lockdown thing has made it a little difficult to shop for these events it stinks because we usually go out to dinner because it's one night you know she doesn't have to cook she does do the cooking here and she's an amazing cook but usually we go out for dinner for Mother's Day, someplace nice, not the normal spots we go to. But unfortunately, we don't have any restaurants open that we can go and sit in. So I ordered flowers online, which was an adventure and a half. I'm, I'm hoping we don't have to do this again next year because that was not a lot of fun. But anyway, just hoping you guys all manage to have an amazing day despite some of the strange things going on in our world today. Uh, the other thing is, in the next, I, I would love next episode to do one of the listener question and answer things. I love that where people just kind of throw down some questions that they want me to try to tackle. Usually what ends up happening is that some of them are shorter answers that I can kind of put them together in one episode, which I love doing. They're just fun answering a bunch of random things. And then the ones that a lot of times what ends up happening is somebody will give me a question. It's like, oh, that's a podcast unto itself. So if anybody wants to chime in on the Facebook page with a question they want me to go over or something they want me to go over, that would be great. I will be doing some more species-specific ones coming up. The reason I don't do as many of those is because I, I feel like if I pick a species that somebody doesn't have or isn't interested in, they're going to tune out of the whole episode. So I try to mix it up a little bit, but we will get back and do some of those. But in the meantime, if when this one goes up on Sunday, if you guys want to drop a line and, you know, with a question you want me to answer, obviously I'll answer it the next episode. So that should about do it for this one. Again, I hope everybody out there is doing well. <laughs> Hopefully we go back to normalcy at some point. This is, it's I'm almost numb to it by now. And again, I don't mention a lot, as I've said in every other podcast, because people are sick of hearing about it, but I do hope everybody's safe and healthy. As always, you can find me at Tom'sBigSpiders.com. You can find me at Tom's Big Spiders on YouTube, where I do the videos, and sometimes it's better to see stuff in person, you know, see it actually. Pictures worth a thousand words, as they say. I hope everybody's doing great, and uh, that'll do it. We'll catch you guys next time.